Your organization is awesome, but sometimes you want to be even awesomer. It's time to get your fundraising on with your host, fundraising expert and author, Patrick Kirby. Oh, hello, everybody. Welcome to the official Do Good Better podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Kirby. And of course, this show is all about small nonprofits doing great big things. We've got a great one for you today. I am uh, freezing cold. We're recording this. It's minus 41 degrees, which is why I'm wearing a hat. I just can't help it. Now, that is not the case for our guest who is coming to us from uh, Virginia today. Uh, I would like to welcome uh, our wonderful guest, Nell Nutitis. She is the uh, Vice President of Development at Child Savers. Nell, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. I'm just glad it's not negative 41. <laughs> I'm very jealous we that it's no, I, I just, I can't even imagine what that type of cold feels like. <laughs> you don't want to. I'll give you a hint. You don't want to. But it's, uh, the here's what's going to warm our hearts. We're going to talk about child savers, and I'm very glad that you're going to be on the show. So if somebody's tuning in, they're looking at the description of the show, they said, I'm very interested in this. Nell, tell us what uh, child savers is, how you started, and uh, the 5,000 foot view of what your organization does. Absolutely. So we are an almost 100-year-old organization, which is pretty phenomenal. Awesome. We were founded in 1924. Um, we were actually founded uh, as a memorial to one of Richmond's first pediatricians, which is pretty phenomenal. So we have always worked with children. Uh, founded initially to provide um, mental health and physical examinations to children, regardless of family's ability to pay, and we have maintained that same mission through all of our work. So to date, uh, Child Savers still functions as a mental health clinic for children. Uh, we take a trauma-informed approach to all the work that we do, but we also do it in conjunction with our Child Development Services Program. So we're unique in the, uh, in the sense that we are um, taking kind of a preventative and intervention approach to childhood mental health and childhood trauma. Outstanding. Do you see sort of a, a, an increase in acknowledging mental health is a particular issue? I mean, if you're there for 100 years, you see this timeline of, of people coming to you for help. What does that look like and how has that changed over the last couple of years? Uh, it's a really good question because I think that um, in in certain communities there still can be a stigma about mental health, um, but I think people are becoming much more willing to embrace the fact that if we don't address this when and where it happens, this becomes a chronic issue that that children that be, that teenagers that ad, who become adults will deal with for the rest of their lives. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the um, the ACEs study. The Adverse Childhood Experience Study. It's a study done about 20 years ago, um, done uh, in conjunction with one of the big healthcare organizations, to really look at the long-term effects that trauma, childhood trauma, has on adults. And what was found that um, they really identified about 10 key traumas um, that happen in the life of a child. Um, they can range from neglect, poverty, abuse. Um, they can include something like divorce or death of a parent, incarceration of a parent. But what they did was that they developed these 10 sources of trauma um, and really kind of put a scale behind it. So that if you had any of these types of trauma, sadly, you were then inclined to have um, a higher chance of incarceration, 
um, a higher chance of obesity, um, a higher chance of health issues, and unfortunately, in most cases, um, a shorter lifespan. So our work really gets in uh, and starts working with these children when and where the trauma occurs. Um, and I, I do think people are starting to understand better the impact of um, these, these mental health issues on, on the well-being of a, of a human throughout their life. Right. What's the average um, age of individuals that you are seeing um, at Child Savers? So at Child Savers, we work with children um, as young as two, Mm. Um, but we go from two to age 18. The average age of one of our children in our mental health services program is uh, about 10 years old. Mm. So the thing that's really startling for us is that with that being the average age, with it, in conjunction with the ACEs study, it was identified that um, children who have encountered four of those types of trauma, like I just discussed earlier, um, they're identified as, as living with toxic stress. Um, so the children that we typically see have had about six types of um, triggers in mm-hmm. their lives. Um, so if you think about that, you're talking about, on average, 10-year-olds who have had Six of these types of trauma happen to them already in their lives. Um, it's 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 heavy work, but it's important. Um, I would say too, uh, just on our child development services side, um, the work is equally as important. Um, I know there's been a real shift in the focus of country across the country right now on the importance of early childhood education um, in preparation for kindergarten and, and school readiness. So in that sphere, in that program, we are working with children from birth to typically five years old. Right. And I think, I think uh, early intervention is the key to a lot of um, success later on down the road. And so if you can acknowledge or sort of um, get in as early as possible, um, I think a lot of the kids stand best. How big is your organization? How many are you serving currently? Uh, so currently at Child Savers, we are serving a little over 13,000 children a year. Um, but a, a, most of those children we are currently seeing in our child development services program. So in our mental health clinic, um, we are seeing about 600 children a year. Wow. wow. And how many yeah. staff do you have just doing this? Is it one building? Is it one operation? Yeah. How is this? <laughs> That's a great look, yeah, great question, actually. Um, it kind of sets us up too first, and I think we're going to discuss a little down the road, but um, we currently have a staff of about 50, 55 full-time employees, um, 16 of which are clinicians. Mm-hmm. Now, the way Child Savers is set up is that we have our headquarters here in Richmond, Virginia, um, and we have a functioning outpatient clinic here. But we've also started um, some partnerships with some organizations in the community where we are placing full-time clinicians in those other organizations, primarily in the Richmond Public Schools, um, So we, which has been tremendously successful. Um, so just, just to kind of give you a little point of uh, comparison, for the, the work that we do in the clinic, um, we typically have about a 70 to 75% show rate for um, appointments kept here, um, just because there's, you know, there's challenges that families face in getting, you know, to the clinic, um, which we all face as parents, I know. Um, but when we have now taken the services into the schools, into the places where the children are, are already, um, we are seeing a 95% show rate. So it's been 
wonderfully successful. Obviously, the children are getting more doses of their therapy more regularly. The clinicians have become a part of the school community. Um, you're getting kind of that fuller picture of the, the children that we're helping. Um, so it's really been a wonderful partnership for us, and uh, we certainly are, are eager to continue that work. Well, speaking of continuing your uh, future work, I know organizations, regardless of their size, have uh, wonderfully big, hairy, audacious goals they're always setting. And I'm sure you've reached a couple of them over 100 years. <laughs> but it doesn't mean you probably haven't stopped thinking about that. So what are some of the things that you are planning uh, at your organization that you'd like to attain here in the future? What are those uh, big dreams of yours at Child Savers? Thank you. Thank you for asking. Um, I think our biggest goal is to provide more access to more children. Um, we have been talking about this uh, since I've started here at Child Savers, um, but we've really planned a goal for ourselves that we want to double the reach of our services by the time our organization turns 100 in 2024. So I used to say in five years, I know, you know now that we're in the new year, I'm down to four years, which is also makes me a little nervous. <laughs> um, but we think we can do it. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a big stretch, um, but it, there's a huge need. Um, I don't know if, if you may or may not be aware of this, but um, there's a, nat a national statistic that by the age 16, one in five children will have had a mental health crisis. So for us in the Richmond and the Central Virginia area, uh, we have about 291,000 children in what we call our catchment area. So we're looking at about 58,000 children who have had a mental health crisis by the time they are 16, and of that, only 3% get access to the services they need. So if we can do anything to move that needle, that's what we're going to try to do. I think uh, very relatable to, uh, to folks here in the Midwest as well, as we're sort of going through farming crisis and flooding and all that kind of stuff, is that you know, kids who are in rural areas, the access to mental health is, is, um, is not as available. And so mm -hmm. I think this is kind of resonates with a lot of people who might be listening in that uh, kind of thing. And, you know, there's a lot of people who are in the mental health and the mental wellness um, sort of game, I would say, but you've been around for nearly a hundred years. So what makes your nonprofit different and better than everybody else's? What sets you apart in a, in a, I like to say in a field of horses, what makes you the unicorn? Uh, what, what are you sort of doing differently that people are reaching out to you and saying that you are the leader of this sort of mental health uh, revolution here? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, just our age is a great way to prove that we have been around for a hundred years and we've been around because we continue to be innovative because we continue to embrace new practices. We are at the cutting edge of new, new theories, new practices. Um, we, we are very cognizant about and making sure that we are doing the newest, the best, um, but also keeping with the tried and true too. So um, I would say that Child Savers really is one of the premier mental health organizations for children in Richmond. And I think one of the other things that truly does make us unique too is that there are not there are no other organizations in our region who take this dual uh, preventive interven uh, intervention approach to children's mm -hmm. mental health. So we work with, we have such a robust child development services program because for us, that zero to five year um, age is just so critical to a child's development. You may know that 90% uh, of your brain, of everyone's brain, is developed during that time period. So making sure that you are in that safe, nurturing, uh, protected educational space 
um, it's critical to setting the, the tone for the rest of your life. And we are the only organization that really partners, that is marrying both those lines of work so that we are trying to prevent trauma from happening in the first place. And we do that obviously by ensuring the quality care of you know, that critical age group. Um, but also when we have identified that trauma has occurred, we have these relationships now with early care providers, with whoever is in that space to be able to intervene with, as necessary. And it has been a wonderful partnership for us, and it's been something that's proven very successful. So I really think that's what sets Child Savers apart because there's no one else doing that type of work. Well, and speaking of things that you've now proven successful, we like to talk a little bit about documented successes at organizations. And so this sets you up beautifully to tell some success stories of what Child Savers has done in the community of Richmond and beyond. Give us a couple of uh, things that make you super proud uh, and successes out of Child Savers. Absolutely. I'd be happy to. Um, so I'd say one of the the biggest um, outcomes that we are constantly tracking is um, as a child comes to us for mental health services, are they making progress? Are they achieving their objectives? Are they getting better? Are they in a better place by the time they leave us than when they first came here? And one of the thrilling things about Child Savers is that we are seeing that type of success. We are seeing that the children who come to us are making these types of um, you know, making this headway in their own lives. Um, I would say that uh, with our partnership with the Richmond Public Schools too, one of the other things that we have been focusing on is not only these um, achieving these objectives in terms of their um, their uh, their own performance. Um, we're also monitoring uh, whether we see improvements in attendance, behavior, and grades of the children that we're working with. Mm -hmm. And for the children that we have been uh, working with in kind of our two-year cohort since we started this, we've seen, we have seen improvements in those spheres as well. So you can tell that it's happening. But I think the thing that's tricky for us is that um, a lot of the issues that we see are ingrained in, um, in in our society, and we are trying to move the needle on something that is a much bigger issue than any one organization can do alone. So I would say in addition to the work that we are doing, we have wonderful partnerships with other organizations here in Richmond with whom we could not do this work without. Um, unfortunately, there is a lot of this work that needs to be done, um, particularly in the mental health sphere, um, and providing access to children who, in many cases, would not otherwise have these resources. Um, so I think we are doing important work, and we are seeing success um, for the work that we're doing. And we're hopefully getting these children on track to be able to live healthy and productive lives. I think as you see the stigma reduce on the idea of getting help for mental health or mental wellness, I think that's going to be a really big, big uh, key factor for uh, continued success uh, for you and Child Savers and everybody else sort of involved uh, in the system is great. And, and part of those successes is that we don't spend enough time celebrating some of those big wins. I know, in the Met, I know, I know we're nonprofits. We're supposed to be humble. It's great. Donors want to hear about big wins, dang it. So let's uh, celebrate a win with you and Child Savers, big, small, anything in, the, uh, anything in between. Uh, what can we celebrate and cheer on for you today? 
Well, thank you for asking. Um, we are having actually a very successful fundraising year. Mm. So, we're, yes, we're, we're seeing... Um, you're not, uh, yeah. you're not even here <laughs> the end of February and I like that. I know, I know, I know. So I think um, we've really, we've been able to excite people with the work that we're doing, particularly as we've taken the business model outside of, of the walls here in Child Savers. Um, I would say one of the other things that we are very proud of ourselves for is um, we were recent, we recently went through um, a reaccreditation process, oh, nice. which was a reevaluation uh, re of all the work that we're doing here. Um, and we are one of only seven nonprofits in the Richmond area that has this accreditation. So it really is something that I think can hopefully provide peace of mind to some of our donors that, um, you know, the work that we're doing, it's not just that we think it's good, um, it's that a neutral third party thinks it's good too. So it's something that we're very proud of um, and um, something that we certainly hope to keep renewing because we want to be the gold standard in terms of childhood mental health and childhood um, development services. And so far we've proven to, to really fill that niche. So um, it's, it's an honor to be here and, and we're very excited. Well, kudos to you. I don't think uh, donors realize the amount of work that you have to do in order to prep and then execute an accreditation. So to do that and provide excellent service at the same time to all your clients and uh, and potential kiddos that you're you're helping is kudos to you uh, there. Thanks. So as part of that too, you've got a lot of people that you probably want to give shout outs to. There's no way that you've done this on your own. There's no way that you <laughs> So uh, not, even. not even close. Yeah, you can't. Um, and there's no way you're going to be a nearly 100-year organization without having some assistance along the way. So uh, we like to do part of the show where we uh, give the platform of just shout-outs, the appreciation. Anybody that you think deserves a, a giant kudos for helping you get to where you are, the floor is yours. Uh, start name dropping like a boss. Let's give them thank some love, shall we? Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, it's, it's a huge platform because I was going to say, um, I, I feel very adamant about this that I cannot do my job without the people around me. Um, we have a very, uh, we have a reciprocal relationship, right? Because I can't do my job, but they can't do theirs either. Um, unfortunately, we all live under the mantra of no, no money, no mission. And I think the team here at Child Savers really gets that. And I do want to thank them because I, I know that's not every place. And I think it also starts at the top. Um, so I would certainly like to acknowledge, I feel like a little bit of like the Oscars right now. I'm like, I want to thank my mom and my dad, right? <laughs> um, but certainly I think first and foremost, I want to, I want to thank our CEO, Robert Bowling. Um, he has set a wonderful tone for this organization. Um, he's made tremendous strides in growth, um, in maximizing our potential since he's been here seven years ago, and he understands fundraising. And I, I don't say that lightly because I've been at organizations where, um, you know, you have to do a little more coaching and Robert just gets it. And that certainly makes my life a lot easier. <laughs> and trust, um, I think not just with me, but trust the staff um, that he is, has in place here to be the experts and to do the work that needs to be done. Um, certainly want to shout out to my team, um, to my fabulous coworker, Amy Garman, who kept the fundraising ship alive for six months by herself when the whole team was no longer here. So, and met goal too. That's no small feat. So, um, and has 
just done a wonderful job of um, introducing me to the culture, child savers, and really the city of Richmond, too. Um, our newest additions, Annie, who I know you've been working with, is our communications and marketing. He's bringing us wonderful opportunities like your podcast. So thank you so much for, for inviting us this and thanks to Annie for um, thinking about us um, in that in that space um, and certainly our newest uh, team member too Elizabeth who's really owning the um, the bones of any fundraising operation which is the data and the research piece of it so um, that is my team um, but certainly it's been just a joy to work with all the programs here um, in our mental health services and in our child development services um, too many to name so I won't I won't get into that but um, I, I I cannot thank them enough for their partnership, and anyone I've ever gone to has been willing to drop anything to help support the work of fundraising, and um, I, I just, I can't express enough how much that means. So Oops. it's really been a delight working with this entire team. Well, unlike the Oscars, I'm not going to play you off with uh, terrible Yeah, music. you can start the music. It's okay. <laughs> but I didn't do it. Uh, you know, and, and part of this other thing, too, is that there's a bunch of organizations probably in your community that uh, deserve a little extra TLC as well. Remember, part of this podcast and part of the show is basically lifting up as many nonprofits as possible, those small ones doing amazing things. Is there another organization in town that deserves some big appreciation and kudos for what they're accomplishing, even though they might not yeah. have anything to do directly uh, with the success of Child Savers? You know, I would actually like to give a shout out here to our partners at the Richmond Public Schools yeah. because that work is hard. That is hard, hard work. And um, there are so many, so many challenges faced by any um, any school district that, that works within the city. And um, I know that they have the best interest of, of Richmond's children at heart. And we are grateful for this opportunity to work with them. And I, we know the challenges that they face. And um, we, we hear them and we admire them for the work that they do every day. So I, I do want to shout them out because they have been wonderful partners to us, and, and this is important for both of us. And we very much want to continue this relationship, and uh, I urge them to keep up the good work as well. Well, kudos, uh, Richmond Public Schools, and keep that up. Nothing better than uh, partnerships in the world. And speaking of appreciation, I want to show my appreciation for you being on the show, Nell. So I like to uh, give out, uh, dole out fundraising advice wherever I can. So if you have a fundraising question that you'd like help with, I am here for you. Again, the floor is yours. How can I help you and your fundraising mission? Absolutely. You know, I we are currently in the conversations about looking at a new CRM. Ooh. And I'm wondering if you would have any guidance as to really what what should be the make or break for us when um, when making a decision because we've kind of boiled it down to a few, but at this point they're all good. So how do you pick the one that's going to set, that's, how do you determine which one really is, is the best? Um, because this is not my background. I've always just come in and something's already been chosen for me. Um, so this is the first time I've had to go through kind of a, a re-examination of what we have and, and determining where to go. Yeah. Uh, so two things. One, make sure that the person who's doing the data entry is in on the decision making because that's probably yeah. number one. <laughs> yeah. you know, make sure that that person is on board with whatever the choice is. Number two, I think, well, there's two pieces. One, I think the reporting is massive. So it's, it's great you can put a bunch of information in, but can you get the information out? They think the data analytics or the things you actually need rather than just reports that somebody assumes you need. 
you know, right. each nonprofit has a different donor base. They've got different age ranges and needs and wants and likes. Um, I think to know intuitively what your donor database is about and how to get some reporting back uh, to sort of make your best conversations uh, happen. And if you can get out information, if you're, you know, we've a uh, saying a mentor of mine has always said that, uh, before you make a major uh, ask, know the name of your donor's dog. And, uh, that means you're asking questions and you know, things about them that are different than the size of their wallet. And I think that has something to do with as much information as you can pump in questions that you're prompt. Uh, and then if you can get any automation of saying, hey, you haven't talked to this person in six weeks, six months, one year, you better get on this thing before you make a monetary ask. I think if there is a CRM out there and there's a couple, we're waiting for them. You might be waiting <laughs> you for them to be. I will off the air. I'm waiting for them to be a sponsor of the show first. Good uh, boy. I got this. <laughs> There are a handful of them that will prompt you to actually be uh, on the ball so that you are not asking them consistently for money, but maybe just touching base with them and talking about impact. And I think if you can yeah. get a system that reminds you of that or sort of dinging you in reports that's saying, hey, yeah, we got the last year, but not this year list. Great. What's the last contact and what's the conversation that you had with them uh, reports? If you can kind of concentrate on those two things, I think you're better off because that allows you to have relationship building rather than just data entry. And it sort of has this wonderful uh, sort of partnership with your CRM rather than just being a data dump that you'll never see ever again. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, it's such an important decision. We're trying to be very thoughtful about this. So, this And they can be expensive and it's a pain in the room to kind of get all the data in, data out, and the transfer and blah, yeah. blah, blah. So yeah. the thought- Big investment, right. Right. Um, the other question that really jumped out at me was um, about donor advice funds. Because um, I know we're all kind of in this world now, right? <laughs> um, we have, um, we do have some connections, some of our, our local foundations um, who, who work with donors in their donor advice funds. Um, but I, in speaking with them recently, one of them mentioned something that I, I guess I hadn't thought of, which was that a lot of times when donors are setting up their donor advice funds, they set it up and they have their designated funds yes. or their designated organizations that they're going to contribute to. But a lot of them don't ever take a second look or read. It just becomes kind of a cyclical year after year. These are my places. What advice do you have to building relationships with some of these, obviously with the donors, which we're all trying to do, but what's the approach that you could take to building some relationships with these um, advisors Ooh, yeah. to be able to have kind of our organization top of mind should some of their, should the opening come for a donor to reassess the organizations where they're contributing? Right. Well, I think, you know, as, uh, as the advisors usually have their clients come in once a year or every six months to sort of say where they are. I think it would be and probably behoove an organization of any size to have that conversation with donor advisors all over the over your sort of area to say, hey, um, I'm just giving you the same way that you do your um, wellness check on financials. This is a wellness check on uh, on giving and a wellness check on philanthropy. Here's our updated things. If you see that this aligns with your um, your, your folks you're advising or the people that you're serving. Because again, it's not about your need to have, it's about the donor's need to give. And what you're providing right. them is an avenue by which to align themselves so they feel good about where those funds are. 
So maybe somebody's changed their mind and changed their tune and they might not even be thinking about where their money's going after a, a certain period of time. So using the, uh, the techniques that advisors have for you and then just advising the advisors on sort of, hey, this is a checkup to see what your client base has maybe moved to and offering them maybe a couple of options that don't involve you. Because again, you don't necessarily want to have people donate to your organization that just don't like it. You want them to feel great about it. And then of course, your advisor friends are going to know that you're just thinking for trying to get the, the donor or the potential donor in the position to be grateful for them being a giver uh, rather than you desperately wanting money in the first place. And that will trickle down and get into the, the brains of everybody too saying, Hey, you know who has really, and looks out for their donors and looks out for people all over. It's now over at child savers, get a hold of her. She'll have uh, some advice for you as well. Become invaluable to those who are directing funds even though they might not go directly to you and they're going to come to you most of the time, say, hey, we've got somebody who I think would be interested in having a conversation. Yeah, great. Thank you. Thank you. That's good. Two for um, one. I really like those. All right. <laughs> well, and speaking of giant, uh, giant piles of money coming your way, we've already come to the <laughs> end of our show and we desperately need people to uh, get a hold of you so they can give you all of those monies right now. <laughs> So if there's, uh, there's people who are watching and there are people who are listening and they say, this is an organization that I can get behind. They've got nearly 100 years experience. They're still scrappy and upstart because they're getting into the bottom of some of these things that nobody's talking about and they have money they want to give to you. How on earth do they get to you? Uh, can they give you money? And uh, how do they do it? And do you have anything that you want to promote? The floor is yours. Take it away. I'm not going to interrupt anymore. Get them. Thank you. Well, certainly if people are listening, they have money they want to give to us, we would absolutely be willing to, to work with you on that. Um, I would urge anybody who wants to learn more about Child Savers or is interested in giving to please check out our website, um, childsavers.org. We've just recently done some work to make it a little more mobile friendly. So more to come, but it's, it's coming along nicely. So we're excited about that. So please check out childsavers.org. Um, again, my information is on there, but um, if anybody has questions or wants to learn more, maybe he's in our area, always happy to come meet with you, come speak to you. Um, we have great staff that I brought on visits with us. You can speak to the programs that we're doing here. So um, if there's anyone who, who's out there and wants to learn more, please, you know where to find us, childsavers.org. I love it. And as always, we're going to have everything here in the show notes and links to everything that uh, Nell was mentioning. Um, I think this was great. I think this was a fun one. I'm so glad we got connected because if you yeah. don't know about Child Savers, you should. And I'm glad you know a little bit more on there. Go get those giant piles of money you've been hoarding in your mattress and go give it to them. That'll be <laughs> Nell, thank you so much for being on the show, the official Do Good Better podcast. This was a blast. I had a good time. Thank you, Patrick, for having me. This was such a great opportunity. Yes, I love it. All right, we'll see you guys next time. Go check out Child Savers. Go in the show notes. Give them all your money. It'll be great. And we'll talk to you next time on the official Do Good Better podcast. There are countless videos, books, articles, and folks out there with suggestions on how to raise more money. Of course, that's a major problem. Too much information. Do Good University has an online library of lectures, courses, and trainings that concentrate on one thing, making fundraising simple. Come join other like-minded do-gooders who are looking to unclutter their fundraising life 
Enroll at Do Good University today at dogoodbetterconsulting.com.